Well, good morning, church. My name is Trevor Miller. I'm the family pastor here at Mount Horeb, and I consider it a great honor to be able to be with you this morning and to connect with you today on this Sunday after Easter Sunday as we reflect together on what this new resurrection life that's offered to us in Jesus looks like. You know, we are a people of process. I think of a multitude of ways and seasons within our life where we find ourselves in some kind of process or another. I think back to my times in school where you sat in a classroom or maybe like right now, you sit at your dining room table and you work on lessons so you can be prepared for the next lesson so you can go from grade to grade. It's a process. I think of playing sports. You know, a lot of us have worked very hard on the court or on the field or on the track through processes of all kinds to prepare ourselves to be able to compete at the highest level. I think of the pregnancy of a woman who's in preparation for a baby to come into the home, and there's a strict process of exercise and healthy eating and and room decorating even for this new addition to the family. These processes are a mixture, all of them, of patiently waiting, actively learning, revelation receiving, and diligently growing. These kinds of seasons in our life, though, can be hard. Sometimes they're very challenging. Because it's not easy to let a process run its course. Many of us, we'd much rather press the fast forward button, get to the good part, and skip everything else in between. You know, last week we gathered together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We had an amazing celebration of Easter as a church in different locations, but still all as one. And as Christians, it's the pinnacle of our faith. We, however, have the luxury of holding the scriptures within our hands. We know the end of the story when it comes to Easter. But if you were someone who was living in the ancient Near East at that time, during the time of Jesus' arrest, his crucifixion, his death, and his burial, it would have been a very different experience for you. See, they found themselves in a season of preparation, a process, revelation, learning, and preparation that would take 40 days after Jesus' resurrection before he would ascend into heaven. He would appear to all kinds of disciples and teach them all kinds of lessons that would prepare them for all the challenges that lay ahead. One of the first stories in, during this 40-day period is about a woman named Mary Magdalene. She had made the painful journey to the tomb that morning where Jesus had been laid just a few days earlier. The disciples of Jesus were still in shock at the fact that the person they believed to be the Messiah, the one who was going to save them, who was going to change everything, that person, Jesus, had been crucified on a Roman cross and laid inside of a tomb. She went there with another Mary, and they carried with them spices they would lay alongside of Jesus' body inside of the tomb. And these spices were meant to cover over any odor of a decomposing body. It was also a way to honor their friend who was now deceased. But when they arrived, they were amazed to find that this tomb inside of this garden was not what they expected because the massive stone in the front of the entrance had been rolled away. And inside of the tomb, it was now empty. There was nothing there. They couldn't explain this. How could this be? The only thing they could think of is that someone must have come and taken the body. So both Marys ran quickly to the disciples and they came to check out for themselves. They looked inside the tomb and they too found nothing but folded linens inside of the tomb where Jesus once was laid. And then Mary finds herself there by herself, all alone. She's heartbroken. The Bible says that she weeps, not just because her friend had been killed, but now someone had the gall to come and steal his body. And in John chapter 20, verse 11, the story continues like this. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked inside of the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, 
but she did not recognize and realize that it was Jesus. You see, as Mary, in her despair, is looking inside of the tomb, she's confronted by two angels. They ask her a question, and she responds the same way that she had earlier. She's distraught because the body of Jesus has been taken, and she does not know where they've taken him. Then she turns, and the Bible says that as she turns, all of a sudden she's face to face with Jesus, but she doesn't recognize it's him. She doesn't realize that Jesus is standing there right in front of her. Perhaps because of the trauma of the past three days, she's unable to see him. You see, sometimes in our grief, it can be hard to recognize Jesus. You know, for the past, these, these 40 days in process for Mary and for the disciples, they're learning how to see Jesus now in the middle of this brand new season. Many of us, maybe this morning, you can relate to Mary in this way. Maybe for you, you've experienced such deep grief, such disappointment that is so painful and loss that's so profound that it can make, make it nearly impossible to see Jesus at work within your life. And many for us, we've experienced now in this time within our life during this quarantine, this disequilibrium for all of us that we begin to ask the question, is it, are we going to be able to see Jesus at work within our life ever again? These times of grief, they can feel like heavy clouds that shroud our view. Times of pain can feel like darkness without any kind of light of hope. And this is where Mary finds herself, and perhaps this is where you find yourself this morning as well. But I want to encourage us today. I believe it's important for us to lean into this process, to fight to believe, maybe as a way of even showing defiance that God works all things for good. The good, the bad, and the ugly, he works them all together for good, Romans says, for the good of those who love God. I've seen many people within our church wrestle through really difficult times. I consider it an honor to walk along some families who have had diagnosis or had major losses within their family and watch them as they interact with one another. I've watched them through tear-soaked eyes still be able to say, I see Jesus at work, through letters they receive, visits they receive, through small miracles all along the way, right there in the middle of the difficulty they're going through. But sometimes it's hard to see Jesus. And so Mary's there face-to-face with Jesus in his resurrected form, and Jesus also asks her a question. Now, a side note here, this is just a beautiful piece of the story. The very first person to see the resurrected Jesus is actually a woman. Now, in the ancient Near East during this time, as the writer is writing this, the fact that the author puts this into the story is astounding, that the woman at the tomb is the first to see the resurrected Christ. Here's the question Jesus asks in verse 15. She sees Jesus but doesn't realize that it's him. In verse 15, he asks her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Who is it you're looking for, Jesus says. Why are you crying? Mary responds the exact same way that she has throughout the whole story. She's concerned because the body of Jesus has been stolen. But the Bible tells us a very important piece right here, a detail that can go missed. Because she looks at him and she thinks he's the gardener. She thinks he's the gardener. You see, the location of this tomb and other tombs would have been inside of a garden in some place. And when inside of this garden, there would have been someone's job who was to tend to this garden to make sure and to ensure that these graves that held death would give way to gardens that would exemplify beauty. So when she sees Jesus in this new form, she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. This is a subtle detail, but the writer does not want us to miss this. 
that she thinks he's a gardener. For a first century Jew, this detail would have caused your mind automatically to go back to another connection that you knew of. In the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, a first garden, another garden, this garden was the Garden of Eden, the place where God's relationship with mankind first began, when everything was at shalom and in peace. And between these two gardens is a whole story throughout Scripture and with our life as well that is marked by sin and evil and brokenness. And so here in this story, at the end of Jesus' life and now his resurrection, is a new beginning in a new garden with a mistaken gardener. You see, this first garden in Genesis is a garden where creation exploded onto the scene through God. But this garden now in John 20 is a place where God's recreation, his restoration is now taking hold. It's resurrection. Jesus has made a statement actually just eight chapters before what we're reading here in chapter 20. And this gives a depth to the meaning of this resurrection for Mary. John chapter 12, and perhaps Mary heard this maybe even a time before. John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and others. He says this, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, a seed of wheat, falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces a whole crop, many, many seeds. See, in John chapter 12, verse 24, where I just read, this passage is one of Jesus' predictions about his death. And he says something very specific. He uses gardener language by saying, unless a seed falls to the ground and that seed dies, it cannot produce life. The seed must fall to the ground, be buried within the ground before it can produce a crop of some kind. You see, just a few weeks ago, my family and I went to my parents' house on four acres here in town and we planted a garden. We planted all kinds of things in this little garden. We planted blueberry bushes and strawberry plants. We planted peach trees. We planted cucumbers and tomatoes. We also planted onions. Now, of all the things that we planted, most all of them were things that we could see above the ground. We could see instant gratification as things began to grow and bloom right away. But the onions, the onions were a different story. See, those onions, they're planted under the ground. They are buried beneath the soil. And as soon as we put them there, there they sat. And for days, we saw other things grow. These onions just sat under the ground. But little did we know that in our waiting, they were working. So sure enough, a few days later, when we came back to the small garden again, we began to see onions begin to pop through the surface. Little green sprouts begin to grow while all along underneath something was going on that we had no idea about at all. You see, from death comes life. Unless a seed falls to the ground and is buried, Jesus says, it cannot produce life. Jesus' death and burial in the tomb were just a part of this process that God was doing within the world and bringing hope, bringing newness, bringing restoration. You see, Jesus is the gardener of resurrection. Jesus is the gardener of resurrection. And this encounter with Mary is the first of many as Jesus comes and begins to show his disciples that now that death has been defeated, he is going to ascend into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And now the Spirit of God would live and dwell inside of believers and the world would never be the same. This was unexpected. This is what takes place. This is actually prophetically spoken about in the Old Testament as well where the writer of Isaiah in the Old Testament is expressing the fact that this Messiah was going to change everything one day when he would show up. Here's what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 13, speaking about this Messiah, instead of thorn bushes one day will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. 
The writer says that in all this brokenness, this dysfunctional weeds that have sprouted up when sin was in charge, now all of that was giving way to beautiful, vibrant vegetation. Right in the middle of the darkest hour of Mary's life, this gardener is bringing hope and growing life back into the world around her through his resurrection from the dead. Maybe you need to hear this today, that right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of what is potentially your darkest hour, this resurrected Jesus can bring life and bring hope. You see, after Jesus speaks Mary's name within the story and she comes to recognize him, Jesus sends her back to the disciples to bring a very important message to them. And the message is this, he's no longer dead. His body is not in the tomb. It has not been stolen. He has risen from the grave. In this new life, in this new life, everything would change. This resurrection power is the same kind of power that God wants to release within our lives as well. My life and your life. This is the kind of power that transforms our pain, our despair, our mistakes, our brokenness, and can make it something beautiful. Speaker and pastor Christine Kane says it this way, Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think that you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. Maybe right now as you feel like you're in a very dark place that you've been buried under the ground, I want to encourage you and let you know this new resurrection life has a way of bringing life right in the midst of this mess. Here's what's revealed to us in the early morning, three days after the crucifixion with Mary. God is working in our waiting. He is growing something right now in our life that maybe doesn't make sense to us right now, but one day it will. And God will use it for our good and for his glory. He's the gardener and we are wise to allow him to do his work. And there's three reasons why. Number one, a good gardener cultivates the ground. See, cultivation is a preparation for the ground for planting. Sometimes the soil must be broken up before it's able to bring forth growth. Some of us in our lives, our lives for a long time have been so congested, so preoccupied, so calloused that there is no room and no sensitivity for the things of God. That ground has to be broken up and turned over for new life to grow. Now, I want to be clear. I don't believe this pandemic is something that God has made happen. But here's what I'm certain of. He will use it. I'm certain of this. God never wastes any opportunity in our lives to prepare the soil of our hearts to be open for his work. I've been burdened for our families in this community for a very, very long time because the families within our community are so busy. There's no margin. We have focus on status and stuff. And in doing so, we've lost so much. See, for a lot of families, they're rarely connected. Jesus has not been the center but maybe God has brought a resurrection moment in the middle of this pandemic to us and is helping us to reconnect to one another, to reconnect to creation, and to reconnect to himself. This Jesus, he's always looking for fertile soil to cultivate for growth. Secondly, a good gardener is one who plants the seed. There's actually another story in the Gospels about a farmer who's standing in a field and he's sowing seed. And this seed, the Bible says, is the truth of the Gospel. That Jesus lived, that he died, that he resurrected from the dead. And in that we can embrace new life. This is the truth of the Gospel. The gardener is the one who plants this seed into the hearts of those who trust it. And if this seed take, takes root and begins to grow, our lives will then begin to demonstrate resurrection fruit everywhere. We'll be a changed people. Maybe even this morning, 
You're someone who's watching and you realize that it's time to allow this gospel to take root within your heart. It's time to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is our Savior, that he's our Lord, that we want to give him our life. I would invite you this morning, even right now, to invite Jesus into your life to grow something new within you, to change your priorities, to change your attitude, to change your speech and your actions, to make you all that he's intended for you to be. Because we have a good gardener who cultivates the ground and one who plants the seed of the gospel within our hearts. Lastly, we should let him do his work because a good gardener prunes limbs. A good gardener is one who comes and prunes limbs. There are sometimes portions that must be removed from plant in order for that plant to produce more and better. There's often wasted energy that's going to broken limbs or places that aren't producing any kind of fruit. And one of the ways Jesus brings about resurrection life into our lives is actually by removing something. It may even be something good, but there's wasted energy going there. It may be something bad or something negative, maybe a habit, an addiction, a relationship, a regret that Jesus wants to remove from our life so that we might be able to grow once again. I believe that God is wanting to prepare his people right now for an awakening and a time in our history when Christians must have pruned away all that hinders in order to be ready to act and to love with all that we have. We have a good gardener who's working in our lives. We see it depicted through the story of Mary, and it's the hope of resurrection for you and for me today. So for the next 40 days, our church is committed to joining together to pray for revival, for revelation, and for restoration for our community, our nation, and our world. And maybe this morning it needs to start right now in your heart where you're seated right now. Maybe this revelation can begin right within your own life. Would you join me this morning for prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you so much that you've been at work within our life, even at times where we didn't understand it, where we didn't recognize you. Would you open our spiritual eyes today to see you, Jesus, to see you working within us, to see you in every circumstance, every situation, in the face of those around us, I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to us today in such a powerful way that we would turn our lives over to you, that we would allow you to cultivate, to break up the hard soil of our hearts, God, that you might plant the gospel, the good news there, that it might take root and it might grow. And lastly, God, I pray that you would come into our lives and you begin to remove the things that keep us from the kind of growth that you want to have happen within our life. So for any person this morning, you know your heart is hard and you need it to be cultivated and turned over. Would you invite Jesus to do that right now? Maybe for someone watching at home right now, you know it's time to allow the gospel to take root in your heart. Would you invite Jesus to plant that seed into your heart right now? Or maybe this morning you know there's something that needs to be pruned, something that needs to be removed in order for you to grow once again. Would you invite Jesus to take that thing, maybe good, maybe negative, and to take it away from your life that you might experience new growth, resurrection life right here and right now? Jesus, we think that you are alive. You're working in our lives today. We invite you to do more. Prepare us, God, for what's to come that we might be the church in the world to show the hope of Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray today. Amen. I'd invite you this morning, as we sing this last song, listen to every single word that's written here. 
and experience the Spirit of God now working within your life as we worship together this morning.